tweet at TodaySOR. David Coleman is in our Limerick studio. David, I want to go first to a, a question from the mother of an eight-year-old boy. Uh, he's very bright, active uh, child who has plenty of friends, always gets on well at school, uh, hits all the deve- developmental milestones, though he can be a little sensitive. But since the week the school's closed, he has developed a habit of touching his hand off the door frame as he enters the room, then feeling a need to touch it with his other hand. And this has developed then to touching his foot off the door, touching a chair as he passes, passes out the couch. And in the last week he started gently touching his forehead off things like a plate or a glass or a piece of food he's eating um, also in that week um, he, he just feels that his body is making him doing it and in the week around St Patrick's Day he was upset a few times and asked would he die from coronavirus what do you, what do you think is going on there David? Morning, Sean. Um, it, it could be any number of things. I mean, I think definitely it's probably, well, not definitely, probably. <laughs> I, I would imagine it's anxiety related. Um, I suppose a lot of the kinds of things that the moment is talking about there have the potential to be linked to something like um, obsessive compulsive disorder. So when a child starts to do something compulsively, they feel like they have no choice but to do a particular kind of action or behavior um, as a way to relieve anxiety. So that's something certainly worth exploring. He's young. He's only eight um, but I do think the parents probably need to be thinking in those terms. And then ultimately what he needs to do, of course, is to learn uh, a different way to be able to regulate his anxiety so that he can continue to act normally without doing the touching uh, of things and so on, without his anxiety uh, pe- uh, peaking so that he can then uh, get the experience that actually nothing bad does happen when he doesn't do these behaviours. Because at the moment he probably feels like doing these behaviours staves off some bad outcome, perhaps related to the coronavirus or whatever it might be. So um, I know it's probably difficult uh, in the current circumstances in terms of, of contacting professionals and stuff, but it might be worth even the mum uh, having a, a session herself uh, just to get some advice and guidance from a clinical psychologist. So she can probably do that through a telephone consultation or an mm-hmm. online consultation, um, because it does sound like that that is probably anxiety related. This is one about an eight-year-old girl who's not sleeping. She shares a room with her younger sister. Both my husband and I have to sit and stay with her for about 30 minutes to an hour for her to fall asleep. Uh, She needs to sleep with a bathroom light and two night lights. Um, After this time, about two hours later, every couple of hours during the night, she'll wake up calling out for me in a panic, but she's fully conscious. Yeah, so uh, there's an awful lot of children, I think, over the last number of weeks who um, are probably finding that their sleep is disrupted and consequently then parents' sleep is disrupted because yeah, it's not unusual at all for children to come either calling out for their parents or to come into their parents' bed. I guess, uh, you know, one of the, the, the good things and the bad things about uh, being with your child while they fall asleep, uh, the good thing is that it provides them with the security that they might need in order to fall asleep. The bad thing then is that if they wake up, they might necessarily uh, feel like they have the skill to soothe themselves back to sleep and they're used to having a parent there to get back asleep so so that might be why she's calling out so what i would suggest for this mom and dad is that um they probably need to wean themselves off being with their daughter while she falls asleep and so that might mean if they're currently sitting uh, beside her uh, in the bed that they maybe move the chair away from the bed closer to the door with a view to ultimately sitting outside the door and coming in to check and then just doing checking visits every five or ten okay. minutes uh, while their daughter falls asleep and that then hopefully will give her the sense that she knows how to fall asleep herself without her parents actually being there which might mean that if she does wake up in the night she'll be able to soothe herself back to sleep down the line.
This is one about a younger child. She's two and a half years old, um, a, a little girl. I work part-time. My daughter is cared for by my parents. She spends a lot of time with them and is very close to them. She gets excited about going to see them and loves their house. Since the lockdown, she hasn't been able to see them. Initially, she asked about her grandparents every day. She'd be really excited to talk them, to them on video calls every day. Now, she doesn't mention them, won't engage with me when I talk about them and runs or hides or shouts angrily if they're on the phone. I've tried to say to her that they're sick and we will go to their house when they're better. Not a great explanation, but it's the best I can think of. And she feels abandoned by them. Yeah, I mean, that's really, really difficult because, of course, at, at two and a half, you know, her daughter's not going to be able to understand the full implications of, of coronavirus and why we need to have this physical distance and why um, her grandparents are no longer available, particularly as she was so close to them if she was um, being cared for by them. I think maybe rather than talking about uh, her grandparents being sick, because it could be now that if the little girl has an idea that her grandparents are sick, um, maybe she's already experiencing this sense of loss. Uh, and so that might be where some of the anger that's coming in terms of being angry if the grandparents get mentioned is coming from. So I think perhaps what she might want to do um, is to try as best she can to talk about the fact that it's just not great um, for little girls and their grandparents to be together right now. And, and then... You know, if it's the case that she's getting upset or whatever, I, I would still suggest that it's worth having the Zoom calls or the, the FaceTime calls or the even if, if you're in a position that you're close enough by that, with you know, you can actually go and spend a little bit of time in the garden of your her grandparents. But keep the visit short, really short, mm -hmm. so that her daughter doesn't have the opportunity to get that upset by it um, because she probably will miss them then when, uh, when the visit is over. Another one, my five-year-old daughter was fine in the first few weeks of lockdown, but I've noticed her mood change in the past week or so. She has started to nip her sister, answer me back, etc. My husband thinks it's just frustration. Is he right or have you any advice on what to do? So, I mean, they probably are quite right that it is to do with uh, some of the restriction that's in, in place now and, and that their five-year-old daughter, while you know, initially coping fine, has now just kind of had enough um, of the restrictions that are there and might be missing her friends. So I guess it's about talking with her, even though she's only five and won't necessarily be able to vo voice a lot of her own concerns, but just talking with her about the kind of things that as a parent you could imagine are frustrating her. So things like not seeing her friends, having to spend so much time, not getting outside to play as much as she used to play. She might have been really enjoying school or preschool, depending depending on where she was, um, and so she might be missing that. So the more we can talk empathetically about what we think our children might be missing or what we think might be upsetting or frustrating them, the easier it is for them and it helps them just to express some of those feelings then. If we can get a quick one uh, by way of response to this. My son is 16. When I'm working, he picks his time carefully and when I'm on a conference call to colleagues, he gets the runners on and tells me he's going out walking his two-kilometre loop. How can I be sure that what he's, that's what he's doing and he's not meeting up with friends? I don't want to end up in a big row there's just two of us in the apartment. Yeah, I think that's all about trust. And ultimately, if your 16-year-old says that this is what he's doing <clears throat> and he knows that you can't supervise, uh, then you have to believe him until you have evidence to suggest something different. I think, you know, if it's the case that he, he goes out for a walk independently of you, what you might want to do is suggest to him that you also, he also goes for a walk with you. Um, and so that means that at least, you know, he's definitely getting some exercise because he's walking with you. And hopefully he's not just going and hanging out with his friends uh, during the time that he claims to be going. But, but I think... 
you know, from that mum's point of view, better to trust until she has good evidence that uh, she has a reason not to trust him. David, as ever, thank you very much indeed for those insights. Uh, thank you indeed. David Coleman, clinical child psychologist. In news headlines, the tarnished to Simon Coveney says the relationship between the government and the National Public Emergency Team is a fantastic one and there's complete trust between the government and Dr Tony Houlihan and his team despite reports to the contrary in media over the weekend. And almost 600,000 people are now dependent on the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment. That's up 7,000 in a week. That's our lot for today. Thank you for listening. The programme produced by the series producer Tara Campbell, Research Knee of Lions, broadcast coordinator Geraldine Collins on sound, Damien Chanel, over now to Ronan. <laughs>